So, um, anybody recognize this? Anybody get warm fuzzies uh, just, just thinking about this book? Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, good songs in this book. And Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and, and you just kind of leap through and... and uh, Oh, look at that. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. Let's see. Make me a servant, humble and meek. I have decided to follow Jesus. Right? They just go through here, and there's so many songs. I will sing unto the Lord. You laughed at this song. He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider fell into the sea. Boom, boom. <laughs> he said they actually sing that song? Okay. By the way, 1983, <laughs> for those of you who are saying, boy, why don't we sing those anymore? And for those of you who are saying, I've never heard these before. <laughs> we moved on from this book a long time ago. This was Christian worship at that time was a simpler thing. By the way, worship team, I absolutely want to thank you for today. Uh, that was a blessing. So. Uh, but um, here's the song that brought me to this book. Create in me, a, I don't want to sing it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. i got to sing it, I can't help it. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. You see, so obviously, many of you know it. And, and, and we, we know it because we sang it so much. That was, what a blessing. These, these songs were, were just in our hearts in a special and powerful way. But that one has theological difficulties. And I, I asked Jana, she happened to be in here today, or not this week. I said, do you remember talking to me about this song? And she's kind of like, yeah, I mean, we're going back a few years because, because one of the biggest differences between the church and Old Testament believers is that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We have this promise that he will never leave us. And so here we are singing, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. It's theologically wrong. And yet it's it, today, when David wrote it, it was a different thing. That was pre-church. But uh, it was, it was uh, I, and I don't remember what I told her I, I, in answering, but, but I answered in such a way that it allowed us to keep singing the song <laughs> because I like it. Uh, today, we're looking at Hezekiah, the same king we talked about last time. Hezekiah was the one, last time meaning two weeks ago. <laughs> Hezekiah was the king who was, was king when the Assyrians were attacking Israel, they'd, they'd conquered the whole land except for J Jerusalem, and God miraculously delivered them overnight, sending an angel, killed 185,000 Assyrian army uh, members, and, and sent them packing on their way. The same Hezekiah, uh, a short time later, uh, it says, God, uh, let's see, uh, God left him to himself in order to test him and know all that was in his heart. You know, God has promised he will never leave us or, nor forsake us. But what happened to Hezekiah? Could that happen to us? Uh, if it could, how, will we, how would we fare? And so th this sermon is kind of, kind of taking this Old Testament event and putting a New Testament 
look at it because I think it's important and, 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 and significant. So if you want to turn not to 2 Kings, to 2 Chronicles, we'll be back and forth like we have to sometimes between 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32 uh, and we'll be in 2 Kings chapter 20. So if you want to stick fingers in both those places or whatever so you can follow along, that would be, be helpful to you. Okay, so we start in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 27 through 31. And I'll go ahead and read that, and you can follow along if you'd like. This is, this is after the events in, with Assyria. And Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of costly vessels, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great possessions." This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down the west side of the city of David. We talked about that. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. Okay, so we have this. Hezekiah becomes rich. Uh, you know, Second Kings 20 and so now we have to bounce back to 2 Kings 20 to get a good idea of, of the, what happened to Hezekiah at this time. Uh, Hezekiah, the Assyrians leave, right? They, they, they go, you know, they go, uh, we're not staying here anymore. They go running tail tucked between their legs and, and, and take off. And, and Hezekiah becomes rich. But before he becomes rich, he becomes sick. So sick that he's going to die. Okay, so 2 Kings chapter 20 uh, tells this story where he gets sick. It says he has a boil, and he, it was an infected boil, and he's getting ready to die, uh, and he's, he's going to die, but, but then he gets healed. All I'm going to read about here is the healing, chapter 20, verse 7, because it's so simple. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs and let them take it and lay it on the boil that he may recover. <laughs> that, that's all it was. And he recovered. Now, that, uh, the, the poultice they put on, they, this wasn't mere medicine. This is miracle medicine at this point. You know, it's, it's something that God did more. But God healed him. And the, and the healing is a minor thing. Right, a minor thing uh, in the sense of is is it's very simple. It's not dramatic. You know, he didn't have to do anything big. God didn't send lightning. He just said, "Put a poultice on; it'll get well." And he put a poultice on, and he got well. But the sign he asked for after Isaiah comes and and Hezekiah, you can just see Hezekiah saying, uh, "You know what? I want proof that this is going to do something." It's like I would if I was Isaiah, I said, wait a week, it'll be proven. <laughs> you know, or, or wait a day, call me in the morning. Something like that. But Isaiah didn't do that. So still in 2 Kings chapter 20, picking up at verse 8. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps, or go back ten steps? And Hezekiah answered, It's an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps by which it had gone down the steps of Ahaz. And, and that makes sense. You know, it, the shadow's going that way anyway. Big deal. I want it to go that way. And, and he does. Now, that's a tremendous sign. Uh, either, either it was a highly localized sign that happened just there, like God moved the flashlight, or the entire sun or 
moved back, meaning the earth, whatever it was, you know, something happened so that the shadow moved backward 10 steps. So tiny, tiny miracle to heal him, tremendous miracle to, to move the shadow back 10 years, uh, or 10 steps. And with that, God gives him 15 more years. Uh, and, and Hezekiah, we'll look at that more in a little bit. Um, God gives him 15 more years, and it's during this 15 years he has, after this illness, that he gains all this wealth for himself. He gains all this wealth, he gains all this fame, and, and that's where we find that God left, himself, God left him alone in the matter of the envoys of Babylon to test all that was in his heart. And it doesn't tell us in, in 2 Chronicles what the matter of the envoys was. It just says, in the matters of the eyes, if we all know what it is. And we would have no clue, except for that God also gave us 2 Kings, which doesn't talk, tell us what 2 Chronicles does, but it puts the pat, pat story together. So 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 12 through 18. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sounds like something out of Narnia, <laughs> uh, king of Babylon, sent envoys with his letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them and showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, uh, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from the far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up to this day shall be carried off to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father shall be taken away and they will be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord you've spoken is good. For he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? I think, what a weasel. <laughs> uh, so, so 2 Chronicles 32-31 says the envoys came to see about the sign that had been done in, is in the land. It doesn't even mention uh, that he'd been sick. It just talks about the sign. And so there, there's two possibilities of what motivated the, the Babylonians to come see Hezekiah. One is that they'd heard about the Assyrian army being defeated, right? Very big deal. Assyrians, because the, the Assyrians were, at this time, the Babylon, you know, in, an, in, a, in, a, in another hundred years, less than a hundred years, the Babylonians are going to become the military, political, military big boys, and they're going to conquer the Assyrian army right, uh, in, in less than 100 years. But right now they're not. Assyria's the big, big boys, and Babylon hears that, that, that Assyria just got their tail kicked by, by this little place in Jerusalem, and they send envoys there to find out, how'd you do it? What'd you do? How'd that happen? That, that's option number one. Option number two is that they'd heard about Hezekiah being healed. They'd heard he was going to die. Hezekiah was probably a pretty famous guy international by this point, again, because of the Assyrian defeat. And they heard he was, was being sick, had been sick and been healed. But you know what it, it might have been, and this is my vote, is that the sun moved backwards ten steps. And they noticed that. <laughs> Funny thing, you know. This, is not, this was not a localized event. This was an international event. You know, it was, it was the, the Chaldeans who, who uh, you know, 
700 years later, are going to say, hey, there's a new star in the sky. <laughs> Wonder what that means. I think it means a new king of the Jews. You know, they noticed these things, and they noticed these 10, 10 steps the sun went back, and they uh, are able to connect it to something that happened in Jerusalem, and they send their envoys to find out what's going on here. Right? So, so whatever one of these it is, that, the third one's the one that gets my vote uh, because it, it makes the most sense. But then they come, and, and they come because 2 Kings says 12.20 says because they heard he'd been sick. It agrees better with the, the sign than, than with the defeat of the Assyrians. But, but it's what Hezekiah did when they get here, get there, that caused shovel, trouble. Because he showed off, and he boasted of his wealth, which is a bigger thing than simply bragging that he was rich. Uh, God had left him, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse, uh, whichever verse that was, I can't forget, let's see, uh, he says to test what was in his heart, right? Um, verse, verse 31, uh, in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. God left him alone to test him and know what was in his heart. Your heart is where your treasures are, right? Sounds like something Jesus said, doesn't it? Because it is. He, he says, out of the heart comes uh, what is within you. Uh, and, and we treasure up, we, we value what we treasure, and our treasure uh, is what we show by what comes out of us. Uh, and, and your heart is where your treasures are show, stored, and what comes out of your heart reveals what your treasures are. And what did Hezekiah reveal when the Babylonian envoys came? Because think about this. God had just removed the Assyrian army. Right? We don't know how many there were. We know 185,000 died. Now that might have been half. Because if you wake up in the morning and half the army is dead, that's enough for you to say, we're getting out of here. You don't want to say, let's wait and see what happens tomorrow morning. Right? You say, I'm getting out of here. I want to go. And, 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 and it may have been half. It may have been 90%. It may have been everybody but the king and his tent. I mean, we don't know how many were left. We only know that 185,000 were dead. But that's a big deal. Uh, that had just happened. He had, he, had, he, had, he had earlier than that, if you remember the story, the first thing he did was he plundered the temple, taking gold off the doors and things like that, to send to the king to try to buy him off. He saw how much his treasure helped him then because the king of Assyria said, thank you very much, I'm coming anyway, and came to besiege Jerusalem, and his wealth didn't help him at all. Uh, his treasure couldn't help. God, God, who could help, sent the, the angel and killed 185,000. What should Hezekiah have been boasting about? What should he have been talking about when the Babylonians came and said, hey, tell us about this sign? He should have said, man, let me tell you about our God. <laughs> you know, he should have said, let me show you where the Assyrians were camped. Let me show you some of the plunder we took from them. Let me show you, you know, the, the trail of things left behind because they were going so fast. Let me show you, let me show you, let me show you how great my God is. That, his heart should have been overflowing with this stuff. I mean, come on, that kind of a victory? That, that, he, said, he should have said, look, right there, that's where the, 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 the boil was. I tried to call it a blister. That's where it was. Look, you can't even see a scar anymore. It's gone. Or else you can see a scar. Isn't that thing ugly? It should have killed me. You know, I don't know which story is true. He should have been pointing out these things, saying, look how great my God is. Look how awesome my God is. And instead, he shows his wealth. And when he does this, he's revealing what's in his heart. And if anybody should have a heart that's full of God, it's Hezekiah. Uh, but instead, he's talking about his money. He had so much opportunity to talk about God. 
He had so much potential. His heart should have been bursting with things of God. And he shows off his wealth. Because that's where his heart was. When God left him to test him. You know, and I don't know what it means by God left him. You know, I, it's, it's, God says, my, the, the way mine reads, it says God left him alone. Like, like okay, I'm just going to not get involved for a little while. Let you see, show if this has really made a difference in your life. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be involved in doing so much. Uh, don't know. But he did a tremendous amount of damage because the Babylonian envoys went home and reported. I mean, that's what you do when you're an envoy. You know, you're a delegate sent by your king, by your country, to this country to, to give a message and to bring back a message, right? You, you, you don't come back and, and say, well, yeah, I, I saw a lot of things that you probably want to know, but I'm not going to tell because they wouldn't want me to. Right? Because yeah, you serve your king. And you come back and say, here's, here's what I saw. Here's a detailed report. I wrote it down right away so I wouldn't forget. Here you go. We saw all this wealth. Right? Now, about 90 years from now, there's another king in Babylon. You might know his name. It's Nebuchadnezzar. Right? He's going to come in. He's going to take, uh, attack Jerusalem three different times. The first time, he takes a few people hostage. Among them is a young man named Daniel. Right? He comes in a few years later because they're rebelling again, and he takes Jerusalem a second time, not, again not destroying it, and he takes a lot of people this time. Among them is a man by the name of Ezekiel. And then he comes back a third time, and he utterly destroys the place, leveling it to the ground, just, just you know, destroying the temple, destroying the walls, uh, leaving a few people behind, among them, Jeremiah. <laughs> right? so, so there's a lot of names and people associated with this event that happened largely because of what Hezekiah did here, because he revealed what was in his heart, and it was not God, it was treasure. And had he gone back and talked about how God delivered them, Right? Had, he, had he shown them the Assyrian siege works that had been destroyed and left behind or just abandoned? Had he shown them this immense, huge camp covering you know, how many square miles uh, of where the Assyrians had camped? If he had shown them all this and said, God destroyed them and chased them off in a night? Do you think the Babylonians would have said, hmm, I'm going to come back and take this place someday? <laughs> yeah, they would have said, they would have gone back with a message, do not ever ever mess with these people. <laughs> Leave them alone. Conquer the rest of the world. Leave those people alone. <laughs> because they would have gotten that message so well had he boasted about his God. But instead he boasted about his wealth. And they went back and said, we want that. Right? He's got this much wealth. He's got incredible treasures. And because he boasted about his treasures, they went back with a message that was remembered about wealth instead of a message that was remembered about God. You go, wow! You know, we have no idea how much decisions and actions that we make now impact what happens down the road. We, we can totally, you know, you, you would not think that doing that, I mean, I can see Hezekiah was probably just a, a good, fun-loving guy, and, 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 and that day he'd been thinking about his money. And these guys come in, he goes, oh, let me show you my wealth. And you want to see what I got? I got jewels in here. I got all my gold over here. Wait, wait till you see my silver, you know, and, 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 and just, uh, you know, excited and caught up in the moment and foolish. But he was not paying attention to what was really really important. And, and, you know, and, and, and you can go back and you go, well, wait a minute. God didn't stop the Babylonians when they came in. You know what? Uh, the, uh, the Israelites continued down that road of valuing their treasure a lot more than they valued their God. There is going to be one more good king in Israel's history. 
uh, between then and when they're destroyed and taken into captivity in Babylon. Uh, there's going to be one more good king, Hezekiah's great-grandson. Uh, and uh, um, he's, he's the only one in the, li- in the line left. Uh, but the rest are not going to be God- godly. They're not going to be good. They're not going to be faithful. Uh, they, they turned their back on God, so he didn't protect them. And, and they still had their treasure, <laughs> and that didn't protect them either. So that's Hezekiah's story. You know, that's what happened to him. What about us? You know, what about us? How do we figure into this? Well, let's start with a little theology. He will never leave us nor forsake us, right? Like I said, one of the main differences between New Testament believers and Old Testament believers is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This promise first came, or or was, was first made in the New Testament with John. John chapter, or I should say by Jesus in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus is promising that he's going to send the Holy Spirit, that that he, Jesus, is going to leave. But don't be worried about that because he's leaving the Holy Spirit. Uh, Verses chapter 14, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. If you love, I'm sorry, that's verse 15, verse 16. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You hear the promise of Jesus Christ? He dwells with you. He will be in you. I am leaving so he can be with you. He will be with you forever. Right? We have this tremendous promise. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. Uh, Paul describes the Holy Spirit, the helper, who's going to be with us forever. Um, and, and so we turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at two different books. Uh, we could go two places in 2 Corinthians. We'll only go to one. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses uh, 21 and 22. It's just stated so plainly and so simply. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know know God through wisdom. Let's see, is that what I wanted? It's what oh I'm in First Corinthians. Doesn't work. You know, difference between ones and twos is very important. Send your kids to kindergarten. (laughs) I didn't go to kindergarten. (laughs) Okay, second Corinthians chapter one, verses twenty one and twenty two. And it is God who established you with Christ, you in Christ, and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He sealed us, and he's our guarantee. That's pretty straightforward. We have the spirit as a guarantee of what? It's a guarantee of our salvation. Uh, you don't lose that guarantee. He's, he's God's guarantee. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us something very similar. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I'm sorry. Yeah, 13 and 14. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And we have this, this very clear New Testament teaching. We start with this knowledge that God will never leave us. You can relax about that. This thing that happened to Hezekiah, God isn't going to leave you. He's not going to leave you alone. But a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Right? Because if you take that knowledge, God is never going to leave me. God is never going to forsake me. He is guaranteed. And, and you run with that out and use that as a license to do wrong, uh, then, then you, let's temper that little bit of knowledge with a little bit more knowledge. Okay? Uh, be, because we can quench the Spirit. See, we have the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. We, we can have Him and we can stifle Him. We can, we can push him down. We can mute the button, the Holy Spirit button, if you want to put it that way. And we find that teaching also very clearly in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Should I quote the whole verse to you? Do not quench the Spirit. Word for word. <laughs> right? Hard verse to learn. Do not quench the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, warns us against grieving the Spirit. Right? Ephesians Chapter uh, 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What a powerful phrase. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed. In other words, he's there. He sealed you. He guaranteed you. Don't make him wish he hadn't. Don't make him mourn over the life that you're living. Because he's, he's sealed you. He's not going to leave you. And you're going to drag him into those things and those places and those attitudes. And you will grieve him. The Holy Spirit, you know, this, is one of the, this is one of the verses, by the way, a little Holy Spiritology here. Uh, it, it, the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The, how do we know the Holy Spirit is a person and not just a force? Well, he feels emotions. He feels emotions. He can be grieved. Just, just one, I'm not going to go into you know, more verses, but, but uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Uh, we can go on to another one, uh, Ephesians 5, 18. Still in Ephesians, just a little bit later. And do not get drunk, for that, uh, drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and the fact is, if you can be filled with the Spirit, you can be emptied of the Spirit. Not emptied to bone dry, no Spirit at all, because He's given to us as a pledge. But, you know, we have in our life, we have, call it a Holy Spirit reservoir, for, for lack of a better way to put it. I'm probably, you know, probably if there's any theologians in here, you want to beat me up for using the phrase like that. But, but call it a Holy Spirit reservoir, and, and you can fill that reservoir. Right, and the thing is, is as you are, if you are being filled with the Spirit, you you you, you overflow. What a terrible thing to happen! Yeah, I actually spill the Holy Spirit on other people. <laughs> you know, what what a shame! But you can you can so we can be filled with the Spirit. Well, if we can be filled with the Spirit, we can be not filled with the Spirit, and we are in control of that by what we do, by what we say, by our attitudes, by our actions. By, are we reading our Bible? Are we praying? Are we fellowshipping? Are we singing? You know, are we doing the things he's called us to do? We can, we can fill the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. Well, what does this do with Hezekiah and God leaving him? Well, God will not leave us. 
But we can tamp him down and we can push him out of the way so that he's not a player in our lives. And effectively, God has left us. And it's our fault, our fault. It's not him. He's not leaving us to test us. He's leaving us because we said, you're not welcome here. Right? He's still there, but we don't care. The Holy Spirit? Yeah, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. I know I've got the Holy Spirit because I'm a Christian. Let me figure out where I put him. <laughs> you know, I, I know he's here somewhere. You know, have you ever done that? I'm the world's best at losing tools. You know, I, was, I was out at camp. I was out at work days. And I was doing something, and I set my hammer on a ladder. You know how long you remember that you set your hammer on a ladder? <laughs> About that long. You know how long ago, how long after that you need a hammer? <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking around, look, and, and then I, by the way, have you ever done the, the, the lost things prayer? <laughs> Dear Lord, help me find that, that hammer. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and it was that fast, I just want to tell you. <laughs> but but uh, don't lose the Holy Spirit. See, you can't lose the Holy Spirit, you still have him, but we can have him so gone from our lives that we don't know where he is. I know I put him somewhere. And and functionally, that's the way we are. And who do you hurt? Who do you hurt when you tamp down the Holy Spirit so much that you don't know where he is? See, the first answer, I saw Knut do this. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But that's not the answer I have written here. (laughs) You know, you, you can't hurt yourself to, so that you lose your salvation because he's guaranteed that. That's what, that's what that gar- word, the word guarantee means guarantee. The word seal means seal. The word forever means forever. I mean, those words mean what they sound like they mean. You've got it. You're not going to lose it. So you can't, do, you can't lose your salvation. He can't leave you. You've got him trapped, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. So what do you care? And that was Hezekiah's attitude. And remember, what did I call him? A weasel? Right? 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 16 to 19. I said 16, I just want to start at 18. Well, no, 16, I'll start at 16. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, I just can't, I cannot fathom what's wrong with this man. Uh, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought, why not, if there will be peace and security in my days. And all Hezekiah cared about, he didn't even care about his children. You know, we we get all excited about ancestry in in our day and and the the DNA test and all. My sister did it and found out we are exactly who we think we are. (laughs) We're all from the British Isles. You know, it might be Ireland, Scotland, or or England, but it's there, right? And it's like, so what's the surprise? You know, what are you hoping to find out? Uh, and uh, we, we get excited looking back. And You know what? I care about who comes after me. I wish we could do a test for that. <laughs> those who come after us are so much more important than those who come before us because those who came before us, their, their deal is done, right? We, we, we can't do anything about that, and it doesn't make me special if I am descended from royalty. <laughs> Still, what you see is what you get, you know? 
But those who come after us, we can impact them. And let me say it another way. We do impact them. Whether you want to or not, you do. Okay? Don't ever forget that. You make a difference. The only question is, what difference do you make? Hezekiah, it's only my kids that will suffer. And, and when it says, he, those sons from your own, let's see, uh, sons who will come from you, it's not his next generation that get taken off to Babylon. It's, it's about four generations later before they get taken off to Babylon. And, and uh, it doesn't say anything when we read at that point about eunuchs, but it says it here, and so we know what happened. You know, Isaiah should have just smacked him. In fact, when I get to heaven, I might. You know, I just, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if God will let me, and it won't hurt even if, it, if I do. <laughs> but it just, I, you just go, what a punk. But you know what? Like Hezekiah, when we say, I don't care, uh, or we get about the Holy Spirit, this is what I want to do. When we treasure other things before God, we hurt those who come behind us. We hurt them. We impact them. We lead them to treasure other things. Because, like it or not, we're their role models. I heard the dumbest thing on the radio the other day. It wasn't Christian radio. It was, it was a talk show thing. I was, just, I was looking to see if baseball was on yet. And this guy's saying, Role models? Politicians aren't supposed to be role models. I wanted to climb through the radio and smack him. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe he said that. They are supposed to be role models. They aren't, but they're supposed to be. You know, message without soapboxing it anymore is, is really simple. The question isn't whether God will forsake us. The question is whether we will forsake him. Make sure you treasure him. Make sure your life shows that you treasure him and leave a blessing for those who come behind, both your own children and, and the world around us. Uh, because we, we impact more than just our own children. We impact a lot of people. Be a good impact for those who follow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you first and most that you will never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you for the security and confidence that you give us. Father, I ask for us that we will never leave you nor forsake you. Let us live good lives and make a huge difference for good in the lives of those who follow behind. We pray in Jesus' name.